like for you to turn to the book of Mark. We had a message this morning in the book of Mark, chapter 8. And this evening, we'll be in chapter 7. Mark in chapter 7. Very well-known passage. And uh, I've, I've entitled this, The Dog Under the Table. The Dog Under the Table. You know, you've noticed everybody's been at some point where there's something under the table getting the scraps or begging. Now, we don't allow begging at our house. Um, I, don't let the, I don't let the animals watch me eat. I start feeling guilty. And I'm also not, I'm just not going to feed them. But uh, I've, I've been many places where there's dogs begging for food or hitting the scraps or getting the crumbs on the ground. I've seen cats do it. I've seen cats do it a lot. I've, I've been to places where pigeons do it. Y'all have all seen that, right? I've seen ducks do it. I've seen ducks do this twice where they're, they're boy, they're smart ducks getting around the table uh, getting the crumbs. And uh, what I noticed one time was sitting in, at the Riverwalk in San Antonio eating right on the edge of the water. And uh, the people that we were with were not from here. They were real intrigued by all the ducks coming in and, uh, you know, throw them a chip. And they tell you, please don't do that. Please don't feed the ducks our, our uh, tortilla chips and hot sauce and things. Well, if I had this right, I watched my uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law basically feed their whole plate to the ducks because they were getting they were excited about it. I saw him pour a, a bowl of hot sauce in there for them. It was right here in the river's bank. Now that was wrong. The, the, do, the ducks probably enjoyed it. I've seen this many times though. Uh, I remember one time I seen this. Somebody cooked a meal had a big pan of taco meat. They're taking it from the oven, the stove to the table and slipped. And the food all went into the floor. And we brought in a dog named Yang. He had one of the best meals of his life. He cleaned it up. But that happened. I've also heard where somebody did the same thing. The taco meat went in the floor and they scooped it up and served it. And then they all enjoyed. Both of those are true stories. I've got a dog at home. I tell you what, you know, seen a lot of good dogs lately, but uh, I'm sorry, I wouldn't trade old Matilda for anybody. I didn't ask for her, she was brought to me, but for some reason, I was thinking about this, my dog Maddie, Outside of God and my wife, I spend more time with her than any, any other living being on this earth. And uh, so loyal to me. So, I mean, strange, really. You know that statement, I want to be the type of man my dog thinks I am? Dogs are so loyal. Dogs never hold a grudge. They're amazing. But they like to, they like, they, they, uh, you know, they want a handout. They want a treat. Most of the, you ever notice, you couldn't get your dog to do those tricks if you hadn't got the treats out. So it's all about the food. Dogs, you know, hit, hit getting under the table 
eating the crumbs. And that's what this uh, message is about. I ought to bring this up. The famous dog out there that none of y'all have ever met. I never saw her. Her name was Fifi. You remember Fifi? There was a dog up at, at a man owned in Hiles Anderson College. He was our teacher up there. He, he, was, he was in charge of personal evangelism. His name was George Godfrey. And he talked like that, didn't he? And he talked just like that. And he would really try to preach. And so he was our teacher. He was what? Hey, in his defense, he was a phenomenal soul winner. We'd watch him weekly bring people down the aisle. With, with, you know, big church, huge church. I'd be looking for George Godfrey taking people down the aisle to, uh, that he had led to Christ that week. But so he was in charge of personal evangelism. And he always gave this story of Fifi, my dog Fifi. Now she was a poodle, and Fifi is faithful. Faithful, faithful. You're not faithful. She said, I'll watch you. You don't study for your test. You don't go soul winning with the real heart. But when Fifi's always faithful. Every time I want her, all I gotta do is say, Fifi! Fifi's coming. She comes a running. She's right here at my side. Fifi. Now the funny story about this, I was sitting in personal evangelism and I was a senior in college and I don't know, I wasn't supposed to be in there because that's one of the first classes you take when you go to school. They want to get you out being a soul winner. They teach you personal evangelism. And I'm in there in the senior year. I guess they figured I didn't get it the first time around. I needed another dose. I don't know. But uh, they made me take it. So I'm in there with all these freshmen. And uh, he kicks in on the Fifi thing. So he's teaching soul winning. I'm being faithful in soul winning. And he's doing it the first day of class. And I'm in the back, and I'd already heard all this, and I, you know, it's famous. George Godfrey, famous with Fifi. And I'm watching, and he starts kicking in, and there's a girl up in the front row, and she's laughing. She thought it was an act. She thought it was a joke. She said, this can't be real. And so she started giggling. He walked up, and he looked down at her. He said, what are you laughing at? You think this is funny, young lady? Really put her in her place. I mean, he embarrassed her. He said, this is serious. We're talking about never dying souls. He's saying it in his voice, of course. George Godfrey voice. And I started looking up there. I said, hey. It was her. And it's funny because I'm looking up on the front row and I'm watching this happen and I'm saying, hey, I, got, I didn't listen to him, I'm looking at her. And so I started trying to date her and I wasn't that much older than her, but they tell me I was robbing the cradle. I was a senior in college, she was a uh, freshman in college. I'm only three years older than her, trying to make me feel guilty. Uh, my, I said, well, when you find the one you want, you do what you want, right? And uh, so I started dating her. But you know, the, dog, the faithfulness of a dog, and you know, they don't ask for much. They rarely, I've seen it, but they rarely turn down a meal. I mean, they're faithful. Now, you know, so I know how kids are. Dogs are good for getting rid of the food that you don't want to eat. You sneak it down there under the table and get it. That's great. They're not going to eat the broccoli more than likely, unless it's bacon flavored or something. 
But the faithfulness of a dog. We're going to try to learn some things from this story. Uh, I, I just want to say, the reason why I brought that up about Maddie, my dog Maddie, I, I, it's so funny. I get to feeling guilty when I eat a good meal that I didn't share a little of it with her. I start feeling real guilty about that. And lately I've been holding some back that I'll feed her later because, you know, I just, well, it's funny, but she's my friend. And, and so, but if I find myself, though, if it's something really, really good that I really, really like, I blow it and eat the whole thing. And then I start feeling guilty, and Maddie's giving, she knows, she gave me the look. You, you, you burnt me today. You held out on me tonight. You didn't give me a portion. Probably would have just enjoyed the crimes. So let's look at Mark chapter 7, and we'll read verses 24 through 30. Let's stand together and read this responsibly. Say, so please get to the message. I know that's what you're saying. Mark 7, 24, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into an house and would have had no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. This woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table <clears throat> eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this thy saying, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found that the devil, found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. What an amazing story. Let's pray. Father, pray that as we look at this that you'd help us consider ourselves and consider the truths as we meet together around thy word. And we pray for the Holy Spirit upon and in each and every one of us. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. The Bible says Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, when, when Jesus came, He came to the nation of Israel. He came as a Jew. And He came to, the Bible says He was a minister of the circumcision, which is the Jews. And so he came to get these lost sheep of the house of Israel. He preached the kingdom gospel everywhere he went, all over Israel. And he tried to go to every town. Notice, now, as he said at the end, before and during the tribulation period, there's going to be soul winners and preachers go all over Israel and hit every town before he comes back. And so he's trying to do that even then. He's, he's gone all over. Well... Uh, everywhere he went, he did great things. Acts 10.38 says, He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Everywhere he went, people flocked to him for healing, for help for their loved ones, for, to hear the truth, 
to get devils cast out of people. How ironic it is that when Jesus came into the on the earth, there were so many people possessed with devils. Everywhere he went, unclean spirits were crying out all over. He brought the unclean spirits to the front or to the surface, basically. But he preached the gospel and he went to all the towns. And he made a statement one time to his disciples. Great things were happening in this one particular town. He says, we must go to other towns also. We have to go. We have to leave now. Well, this journey led him and he found himself up on the coastline on the northwest side where it says the Syrophoenician coastline where Tyre and Sidon are. Now, this is not Israel. He's on the very coast where the breaking point of Israel and the border between this and another country. And so this is a very notorious place. It's known for rebellion. You know, if you study your Bible, Tyre and Sidon, nothing good came out of Tyre and Sidon, really. It was, uh, it was a bad, bad place. Jezebel came out of Tyre and Sidon. She destroyed Israel. One woman had a huge effect. This was a bad, bad place. Well, they needed to hear the gospel too, especially those that are of Israel that are living up in that area. So he goes up there as Elijah of old. You know, he even used this, this uh, example. Didn't Elijah, when he went off in the, when he went on a tour, where'd he go? He went up to Tyre and Sidon and lived with a widow woman. He did. And he helped her. And so Jesus is following the same pattern. He's going to help this poor widow woman who has a daughter who is uh, plagued by a devil, very oppressed by an evil spirit, but she's going to approach him for help. Now, at this time, Gentiles could not come to Jesus Christ for help. You know the story where the, the Greeks were in Jerusalem visiting. They were very intrigued by the truth. And they said, please, take us to Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And they went to Philip. They said, we want to see Jesus. Well, Jesus would not see these men until he rose from the dead. You know, Jesus had very little contact with the Gentiles. Very little. He was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's very, very clear. And even a Samaritan, which is half-blood Jew with other races of people, they were also a no-no for the Jewish people. You know, it was, Peter said, it's unlawful for me to eat with a Gentile. He said that. It was that distinct. It was that important. These people were looked on, sadly, with disdain. Now, this poor woman, she's a full Gentile to the core. You know, we use the term, they're a Gentile dog. And we know that when a Gentile dog gets saved, according to the book of Ecclesiastes, a, a living dog is better than a dead lion. So a better, a, a saved Gentile is much better and much more usable to God and uplifted than a Jew the line of the tribe of Jesus. These, uh, and so it's very interesting to think about this situation. Now, she comes to Jesus. She falls at His feet. And she says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And according to the book of Matthew's version, says He paid her no attention. Answered her not a word. Didn't look. Almost rude. A Gentile can't come to Jesus as the son of David. That's why. He's not their Messiah. Now, He's our Savior. But He's not their Messiah. He's the Messiah of the Jews. And so she approached Him wrong. He turned her off. He looked the other way. 
He did not. And then she realized, okay, I'm in trouble here. This isn't going as... I'm, I'm desperate. I need help. So she said, Lord, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. And he made that famous statement. She said, my daughter is grievously tormented with the devil. He makes that famous statement in verse 27. Let the children first be filled. We don't feed the dogs. We don't give the children's food to animals. We can't do this. Let the children first be filled. And it's not me to take the bread of the children and throw it to the dogs. I'm sorry. And the disciples are telling him this whole time, would you tell her to quit bothering? You notice how many times the disciples did that, by the way? Tell them to leave. I mean, over and over. They, and the ones that they would try to get away, Jesus would end up helping those people. It's amazing. Lord, would you just send them away? She's really bothering us, and she's a Gentile dog anyway. You know, and so Jesus is thinking about that, and she makes the most brilliant answer, doesn't she? She says, yea, Lord. So true. So I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve. I'm not even of Israel. I don't deserve this. But even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall off the table from the children's food. And when he heard that, it was, he was shocked. He, Jesus was tangled in his word. You know, she used Jesus' words and logic to get him to realize this woman's got special faith. And I'm going to help her. He said, for this thy sake, go thy way. Your devil of your daughter is gone. So here's a woman who reasoned with God and got her way and actually did the impossible. She's a type for all believing Gentiles in the history of the world. And really, she's a true hope for all. I, I love this. And, and I want to say this about her. You know, racism. Well, let's just talk about her for a minute. You know, she was the, like the epitome of the Gentile. She was like a, an American. She really was. He says it all the time. He tells, he, he tells what uh, our ancestors were. We are a mix. We're not a pure people, the Jameses. We've got an English name. But we're not a pure bloodline uh, of people. We have all... Uh, you know what? I've never done one of those tests to know what I really am. I think I'll not find out. That doesn't much matter. I know what I am in Christ, and that's all that matters to me. But think about this. First, it says she was a Canaanite woman. Now, a Canaanite woman is from the tri uh, from Ham. Came out of one of the sons of Noah, a Hamite. And so the, the Canaanites, so her race was Hamitic. And she was... You know what it says about the Canaanites. God said, I want you to expel all the Canaanites out of the land of Canaan. Take their land from them and expel them away. Well, somehow she ended up back on the, on the coastline. So first of all, she's of the uh, Ham. Secondly, it says she lived in Syrophoenicia. In Syriophoenicia, which is basically a, 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 an area of the nation of Syria. Now, you know the Syrians, they are Shemitic peoples. So they're out of Shem. And she's living there, and she, uh, she, so she's got Hamitic blood, but she's living in the Shem's land right there on the coast. And, and we know that the, the Syrians and the Israelis, 
have been at each other for thousands of years. It's very much animosity there. So she doesn't have much going for her. And then it says she was a Greek. Now this is amazing. She's a Greek. Now she lived in the Greek province right there along the corner. The Greeks had taken control of this long, long ago. And now the Romans were in charge. But it, this became uh, saturated by Greek culture and history. It's the province. And so you have Japheth. She has all three of the sons of Noah in her life. And she represents these. And so she had no true homeland. She had no true bloodline. Yet she's wanting something from the God of heaven. And you know what? She's going to get it. She's going to get it because she has faith in the God of heaven. She's the epitome of a mixed blood with no true home. You don't think a Gentile in every sense of the word. If you could say it, you'd say a true Gentile dog. You know what? She got her way. She got her way. She found a way to break the mold. She found a way to do the impossible. She used Jesus Christ's own words to win the day. So amazing. She appealed to logic. She appealed to mercy. She was desperate. She was appreciative. And she got her way with the Lord Jesus Christ. And He was very pleased by her faith. Jesus only said this twice. I've not seen such great faith, no, not in Israel. He said, I don't see this in my own people. I see it in you. What she did, amazing act of faith. You know what she's saying? I don't deserve the meat. I don't deserve the loaf of bread. I don't deserve to sit at the fine dining with the people of God. Let me just please, Lord, just give me some crumbs. And that will suffice for me for right now. And when he heard that, he said, this woman's worthy of the whole loaf. This woman's worthy of the whole meal. This woman is worthy to get something that I just don't do for people. Did you know? I, I studied this. I can only find two places in the whole Bible where a Gentile that had a devil or an unclean spirit, it was cast out of them. This particular case, and then when Paul cast the devil out of the girl who had the python spirit in Acts chapter 16. These are the only two. Why? Jesus did not come to cast devils out of the Gentile people. He came as a minister of the circumcision to the house of Israel. And this woman, she, she, got her, she broke through by faith. So let me explain this, the magnitude of this. I'll say it a little more here. The Gentiles were completely without. Uh, lost and without in every single way. You know, they were outcasts, outsiders, very ignorant of the truth, and unable to get in. You know, even in temple worship in Israel, they would allow the Gentiles to approach from the outside, but they were completely on the outside in the court of the Gentiles. They couldn't get anywhere close to God or into the house of God. They never even got a look at the sacrificial system going on inside the temple. It was too great for them. They were left out. They were far, far off. And the Bible says there was this middle wall of partition between them and Israel, and they couldn't look over. You know, the, the, uh, the, the tabernacle wall was just high enough to where people could not look over and see what's going on inside there. If you're not in, you're out. 
You only get in by going through the door, which is Christ. Now, the Gentile people, when you go study their history, you study Romans chapter 1, they forsook the God of truth. They all knew it back uh, Noah's time. They were taught by their... They, the nations of the Gentiles forsook the God of heaven, and you had this one standing nation called Israel which became the bastion of light and the bastion of truth for God, and they were completely with that. Think about this. You know, the law was only for Israel. We, 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 we talk about Ten Commandments all the time. The law was for Israel. All the prophecies of the Bible are for Israel. All the sacrifices, all the prophets were for Israel. All the signs, the wonders, all the, this, the gifts of the signs and everything, the miracles for the most part, for Israel, the, the promises. And so the Gentile was never worthy and this woman didn't consider herself worthy. All she said was, can you have enough mercy to let me get some crumbs here? It's really something. Now, there's one other miracle that he did for a Gentile. The centurion. There was a man who was a centurion. And he was a Roman. And he had such respect for the people of Israel. The Bible says God did a miracle for him and healed his son. So a daughter was healed and a son was healed because they broke through. And this is the only other case where God said, I've not seen such great faith. No, not in Israel. I'm seeing in Gentiles what I never saw in, the G in Israel. Hey, here's a good point. Uh, think about this. Jesus said unto the disciples, said it to Doubting Thomas, He said, Blessed, hey, you believe in me because you felt the You saw it. You saw the, the wounds in my hands. You saw. You felt my side. You know it's me. He said, you're blessed, but blessed are they who see not and believe. Gentiles believe by faith. Gentiles respond to the Word of God and God moving on them. And they believe without the sign gifts. The problem with people who seek signs and miracles and gifts of the day, they wish they were of Israel and they'll never be. It's not God's way. Actually, God right now has something much, much better for us. We're a member of the very body of Christ. When Jesus was sacrificed on the cross and He was buried in the ground, and then when He came up from the dead, the Bible says He brought gifts with Him. And He gave gifts unto men. And He started the New Testament church. Amazing. When the church started, there were no Gentiles in it. Pentecost, 3,000 men were saved. All professing Jews or proselytes. When Peter and John preached the gospel in the temple alone, 5,000 people got saved. There were no Gentiles in that group. So the church at the very origin and the heart of it was purely for Israel. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. To the Jew first, also to the Gentile. But Jesus, when He came up, he broke down that wall of partition that was blocking us out. He knocked it down. And the Bible says with his, with his body He did this. The breaking of His body symbolizing the rending of the veil of the temple and also the knocking down of the wall of partition between the Jew and the Gentile. To where even now, there's no 
There's no uh, difference between Jew and Gentile. We're brought nigh by the blood. And you know it's amazing. Well, now we have rights that we never had before. Now we have rights. And it, uh, I just wanted us to understand something. It wasn't natural, the natural thing for us to get into Christ. The Bible says we're, we're a wild olive branch. We were grafted in. Yet we boast ourselves and think, oh, you know the average church is so ignorant of truth, they think God replaced Israel with them. They think God said, I'm done with Israel. You're much better. I'm taking you. And they boast and they brag and they look down on the Jews. That's why there's so much anti-Semitism. God didn't give up on the Jews. The Bible says all of Israel shall be saved. It's coming soon too. And He said, don't boast. I can, kick, I can get rid of the Gentiles just as easy as I got rid of the, the Jews. And it's a miracle that you even got in. Don't you dare forget who you really are without Christ. All of us should feel that way. Who we really are. You know, so the question comes to, uh, how bad do you really want it? You know, last, yesterday, David and I went soul winning together. He's a good partner. We could not get, we, saw, we talked to three men, could not get them to want it. They didn't even, they didn't want the crumbs. They didn't even want to taste. They didn't know, they, we tried to present them with the full-blown, the full gourmet meal of the gospel of Christ, and they didn't want even a, a, a tasting of the good word of God. It was really sad. How bad do people want it? Because you don't get it if you don't want it. Nobody ever learned the truth in the Bible without wanting it. It doesn't come casually. It doesn't come haphazardly. You have to study, and you got to want it. So the really truth is, the question is, how much? Do, how bad do you want it? And so it's all explained in the crumbs. Crumbs. This is an interesting thing here. You know, what are crumbs? How, how do you describe what crumbs are? Somebody, there's some people, you could describe this a lot better than I ever could. But crumbs are small pieces or small morsels that fell from big portions, something of a bulk. It crumbs. They, uh, they fell to the floor or they fell on the table or, sadly, they fell and they went down in the crack between your seat and the console. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get that one out of there. There's no dogs under the seat to, to get the crumbs. You have to find a way to vacuum that out. Crumbs often come from what I, I call crumbly food. You know, some foods are just crumbly. You know, you, you, it's real hard to get from the plate to the mouth without spilling some. I mean, it won't stick to the fork. It won't stay. It just, you know, things happen. But a lot of times, People are taking too big a bites. They're chomping. You know, you watch people. There's a potato chip, and they chomp into it, and you know what happens. You, kids are really big on that, and you, you can follow them around. There's crumbs everywhere. Hopefully, you got a good dog, or you got one of those vacuum cleaners that follows you around like a robot and cleans up after you. They took the place of the poor dogs, but honestly. It usually stems from careless eating. And you know, the, honestly, you, you can't keep from making crumbs. I'm going to try it someday. I'm going to try to get my whole meal from the plate into the mouth without spilling a thing. But the truth of the matter is, 
Most people, they just very careless in their eating, especially Americans. We got so much, we just shovel it in and we don't care if some falls out of the bag. We don't care if some falls off the plate. We know we got more in the refrigerator. We're very haphazard about it. We're very casual about our eating. You know, to the Jews, a loaf of bread was big. I was telling that, Rebecca and I was talking about that today. To the Jews, if you just got bread for the day, that was, that was the meal of the day. Bread. How amazing it is. You know, and sometimes you try to catch what falls. You're eating. Right? Now, these are portions. I didn't, crumbs. These are portions that hit the floor when they probably never should have hit the floor. And I know uh, people who have to clean up under the tables wish this was so. I wish it never hit the floor. Well, bring the dogs in to, to eat the crumbs. No. So listen, do you realize we've got someone out back wanting in out there? If y'all, I mean, okay. Do you realize how careless people are? And I, I don't have much time, but this, this is my whole message, okay? Uh, how careless we are. They don't consume all that is theirs. What they could have had. They're careless about how they consume what God gives them. And I'm not talking about just food. I'm talking everything. And it falls to the wayside and I'm getting ahead of myself. Somebody else comes in and gets what was yours. What was meant for you ends up in somebody else's mouth. And sad to say, when it's a dog that gets it, careless uh, spilling dropping you know and so what does she say she knew she said the children of the kingdom they don't value the truth they're spilling it everywhere I see it can I get in there and get me some how amazing is that I'm just a dog they don't care about the, the truths of the mysteries of God and the kingdoms uh, the mysteries of the kingdom. They don't care. Can I have a, just a little of that? I want it. And I don't get any. And I, I would really, really like to have They don't know the privilege of what they have. So they come to God's house or they come to God's table and they lazily eat the food. They don't finish what's on the plate. You know, not, I, unless it's horrible. If I buy food, I'm going to try to eat it. This is horrible food. I won't even let Maddie have that part. They don't savor the truth. They don't long for the truth. They're sitting at the table, you know, and, and it's it's really something. They're not appreciating every morsel. You think about that poor dog, how much they would enjoy that food you're eating. And I, I'm bringing dogs because of the, the message itself. What about people who really wish they could know the truth? They haven't learned it yet. You know, people who don't, he that hath not, God's going to take away what you thought you had and give it to somebody else. That's why some people never get a grasp of the truth. They keep dropping the crumbs. They keep letting it fall off the table. Somebody else who's really, uh, according to the analogy of this truth, they're less worthy. They come in and they get it. Think on these things. You know, we talk about finger licking good. You know, I hate that term. And it's a lie. But if you get in the Cheeto bag, and you get that stuff all over your fingers, you got, what do you, I know, finger licking good. 
get me a towelette so I can wash this off. But notice here. Now, we're going to look at a passage and then be done. Notice this. The children of the kingdom. She said this to him. She said, but the children, they're not valuing their meal. They're, like, they're sloppy. The food's falling to the side. Can I have just a little of this? And, and so they're not appreciative of what gave them. You know, people tire of the words of life. They grow weary of the truth. You know, and I know we hear a lot of it. But they grow weary. They, come, they, they grow very complacent with the working of God. And the form is saying, you know, your people, Lord, are wasting so much. Can't I have just a little? And when she, he heard that, he was so astonished, he said, give this woman what she wants. She, by thy words... What you just said, what came out of your mouth, was such an evidence of your faith and desire, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. Paul said, I'm going to quit going to the Jews. They don't want it anymore. Everywhere I go, they reject it. I'm going to the Gentiles from now on. I'm going to start giving them the meat of the Word. And that's where all the epistles of Paul came from. The Gentiles will believe. Bring in the dogs for cleanup duty. And here we come, desiring crumbs. You know, but what I love about this, and before you know it, you're sitting at the table. You came in as a dog, unworthy. Now you're a saint of God, sitting at the table with God's people, eating, and, take, and basically getting everything you could from God, if you would value it, I remember when I first got saved, I was, I was completely unworthy. I felt unworthy for a long time. I don't even belong in this. I don't belong here. I'm not good enough for it. When I went to Hiles Anderson College, I was called to preach. I went up there and thought, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not good enough for these people. I don't fit in. I looked at myself like a Gentile dog. You know, but I listened. Boy, I sat under the teaching, I sat under the preaching, and I, I had my mouth wide open. I wanted to learn. I wanted to know. I wanted to grow. I thought, someday I want to have what these people have. But now I realize, hey, I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm one of them. I'm one of you. I belong. Make room. Pass the good stuff. Because I want it. Hand me down the best part of the meal because that's what I want. Let me in there to have what God gave to me. I want to read my Bible and God give me truth. I want to hear Him preach and I want God to speak to me. And I want God to use me for His glory because I fit in. I'm not a Gentile dog anymore. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8. And let me get to serving God. Matthew chapter 8. Here's the other story where Jesus is dealing with the Gentile. We'll just start in verse 10. He's dealing with this centurion. He says, When Jesus heard it, He marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And, and I think He was astounded, but I think He was bothered at how faithless Israel was the people who had it all and didn't appreciate it 
And then he says, And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out. In the outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. His servant was healed in the selfsame hour. What an amazing story. He says, that centurion's going to be sitting with me for all eternity at the table, eating, belonging. But those who had the position and had the privilege and rejected it, they will be cast out into outer darkness because they're the, they were the children of the kingdom. They were Israel. They were sons of Israel. But they were unworthy. Now, i got a lot to say in just a few minutes. Don't forget who we are. We're Gentiles. We don't, don't forget that. Unworthy, but my. Receive the full benefit. The full benefit. I can have as much of God as I want. And we have such an amazing God, I can feel like He's all mine. I can have as much of Him as I want, and so can you. Isn't that an amazing thought? He's all mine. Well, He's yours too. Paul even said it. He's mine and yours and theirs if they'll get in. And you can take as, and have as much and appreciate as much of it as you possibly can. I'm saved by the blood of Christ and I got grafted in. I will not boast against the Jews. I think we are blessed beyond all measure. We know a lot of truth. We, we are taught. We eat gourmet food all the time. But the sad thing is people have a tendency to grow accustomed and not appreciate it. Listen a minute. That dog under the table is going to appreciate what the children up top are taking for granted. Getting more out of the crumbs than they are out of their whole meal. How bad do you want it? Is the question. This woman wanted so bad, she found a way to get it. You know, privilege and entitlement really ruins people, does it not? You think about it, and it's human nature. When you get in a situation where you get and have and are, it just turns you sour. We, we use the term spoiled rotten. Rich kids who grew up in a rich family are so distorted with reality. They're careless. Uh, it's funny. They just waste money, spend money, eat and go, don't even have any idea where it came from or why it's there. And they are spoiled rotten, but they're privileged and they take for granted everything. You know, the rich throw away more than the poor will ever have. And the poor appreciate the little they have more than the rich who have it all. The rich are the most miserable people on earth. Don't you never fret, uh, fret against them or envy the wicked. God's people need to uh, beware complacency setting in. Complacency setting in. You know, uh, it's easy. I, it, you gotta, you've got to guard yourself from this. A kid who grows up in church hears it their whole life. They get complacent. They get... They've been tired. I've heard this all. I've heard that one before. Hey, I heard that one twice. 
They, they're unappreciative. They better watch it. They start thinking. They get bored with the truth. And God said you'll be wearied in your way. And it's the greatness of your way. And you'll get very wearied in it. And what, you know, us who, my, son, my, children, my sons were growing in church, raised under preaching. Some of yours were. Some of us were not. But think about this. If you raised in church all your life, and all, you have to put up with what we do here weekly. There's a lot of kids out there who's never heard it one time. Never had the chance to hear what you go. You say they don't get have to go. No, they don't get to go through what you go through. They don't get the privileges, and they they don't have the special benefit of sitting at the table with God's people and belonging. They wish they could have what you have. Don't feel, don't, don't you uh, envy them. I remember there was a, you know, preaching. You've got to learn to love preaching. You just do. It, it's, it's the greatest thing God ever allowed us to have. The preaching of the Word of God. I remember there was a kid named Philip growing up in church. He, he was in there. He'd, he'd hear the preacher preaching. and he, Every time he'd walk in the door with his parents, he'd say, Hey, Preacher, you gonna holler tonight? You gonna holler? I came to hear you holler. That's what he said. I came to hear you holler. And then one day I heard Philip say, you know, if I've gotta grow up and hear this all my life and hear somebody holler, I think I'm gonna get called to preach so I can be the one doing the hollering. He should have done that. He didn't. I think he went in the military. But you know, think about it. we're done. What a privilege that we sit under and we have. It's amazing privilege. Our position and the destiny that we have. Amen. And the God that we have. And the church that we have. Amen. The people here. And the truth that's preached. It's a wonderful thing. It's like a refuge from the world. It all, like I said this morning, this ought to be the best part of the week. This ought to be, you ought to be looking forward to coming to church and enjoying coming to church because we're going to sit down at the table together. Children of the kingdom. I belong. And don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Let's uh, bow our heads. Question of the night. Getting careless. With what you're hearing in church. Very careless. You go home, you don't remember any of it. It all fell to the floor. Or, you're receiving the truth. You're growing in grace. You're growing in knowledge. And my, you're so thankful. You're so thankful. And you know, we're going to have an invitation and let's think about whatever God's speaking to your heart. But don't ever allow what God has for you to be cast to the dogs.